Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. So a proposed constitutional amendment would amend the Kansas Bill of Rights to place possession and use of ammunition, firearms components, and firearms accessories under the constitutional protections. The resolution also proposes that gun restrictions be examined under the strict scrutiny standard, which we were talking about earlier, the highest standard of review a court can use. By doing so, gun rights would have the same level of protection as the freedom of speech and religion. With us now to explain the importance of passing a new constitutional amendment to enhance our Second Amendment rights is Mariah Day, the executive director of the Kansas State Rifle Association. Mariah, thank you for joining us this evening. Thanks for having me, Blake. Appreciate it. Absolutely. So you and I have known each other for quite some time. Um, and for that those. true, yeah. Out there that are listening, um, I'm also a board member of the Kansas State Rifle Association and work with Mariah on the association. So, so there is that connection Absolutely. there as well. So, Mariah, can you walk us through what this amendment is doing exactly, and what would need to happen for this to basically be passed and, and, and go into the Constitution? Absolutely, yeah. Thanks for that question, Blake. Um, you know, as we kind of mentioned already, uh, it does a couple different things. Uh, number one, it would secure um, not only uh, the right to keep and bear arms, uh, but also um, would protect uh, ammunition, accessories, and components of firearms uh, under our uh, Kansas Bill of Rights. Uh, so it would essentially uh, expand, uh, extend uh, those components and accessories, um, all of which to the use of firearms uh, for self-defense and other lawful purposes. Um, unfortunately, we've seen a lot of uh, attacks nationally uh, from those wishing to, uh, to limit our Second Amendment rights. Um, and, you know, this would protect us against those type of attacks here in Kansas in the future. Um, you know, the second thing it does, uh, you hinted at this, uh, it would, you know, raise the level of uh, scrutiny to, to the level of strict scrutiny. Um, so, you know, courts in Kansas would be required uh, under the state constitution if it were to pa be passed. Um, they would be required to use that level of strict scrutiny uh, when uh, they review any attempted um, uh, attacks on our Second Amendment rights. So that's kind of, uh, in a nutshell, what this uh, constitutional amendment does. Um, obviously, I've appreciated the great leadership of a number of uh, legislative allies that we've uh, we've worked with on this. Um, and you know, the kind of the process. You know, obviously, we've got to get this passed uh, through the legislature. Take the supermajority. Uh, in both the House and the Senate to get, get this passed. 
Um, and then at that point, it goes straight to the to the ballot uh, for a vote of the people. So this is the ultimate uh, opportunity, essentially, for, for Kansas voters to decide whether they want to protect their Second Amendment rights at this level. So when it comes to getting this through the legislative process, I mean, I've been there for a little while now. I, I helped write this this amendment that we're currently considering. But I guess my yeah. question to you is, what do you say to maybe the legislators out there that they're eh, maybe maybe I want to add it, maybe I don't. I mean, what what's to stop them from from offering this up uh, to a vote of the people? For sure, yeah. So you know, there's there's folks on on both sides of the aisles that, uh, of the aisle that have. Uh, you know, concerns about, you know, passing this, and I've already talked to a bunch of legislators uh, about this topic, um, and I'm not the only one, obviously, uh, but, you know, their, their concerns are, you know, I, I would take them and, and, you know, respond to them. Essentially, a big concern is, uh, you know, folks in uh, more uh, left-leaning areas are kind of concerned, you know, with it being an election year, um, how will this play, you know, at the, at the polls, you know, that kind of thing. I think it's you know pretty safe to say our Second Amendment rights are are cherished here in Kansas, and I don't uh, use that word lightly. Um, Kansans love to exercise their Second Amendment rights. Uh, a few years ago, uh, so in 2010, uh, we we uh, amended our Kansas Constitution uh, to protect the right to keep and bear arms, uh, essentially you know, naming it an individual right. Um, that was in the um, kind of in the wake of the uh, Heller uh, U.S. Supreme Court decision. Uh, so, you know, under state law, we wanted to provide similar protections and, and you know, state uh, for the record that um, the right to keep and bear arms was an individual right, uh, not a collective right of some sort. And so we passed that uh, that constitutional amendment uh, back uh, in 2010. Uh, it passed with a landslide victory, uh, was approved by voters with 88.2% of the vote. Um, in 2014, uh, we passed another constitutional amendment to protect the right to hunt, fish, and trap in Kansas. Um, that constitutional amendment also passed uh, with a, an overwhelming majority again, um, very similar numbers. And so um, I don't think, you know, in the past few years here uh, that the right to keep and bear arms has gotten uh, that unpopular where this would be an issue at the polls. Um, that's my personal opinion. You know, there's uh, obviously opinions on every side of that. But what it comes down to for me is um, this should not be a popularity a contest um, at the polls or anywhere else. You know, we should be voting on things that protect uh, Kansas citizens um, from overreaching government, from um, dangerous people, you know, in our in our culture, in our society. And this does exactly that. This protects Kansans uh, from future infringements on our ability to defend ourselves. You know, we've got people that need to defend themselves for a variety of reasons. And whether you need to or not, um, you know, whether that's staring you in the face or not, you have a right to do so. You have a right to defend yourself. And, uh, you know, that's a cherished right that, you know, Americans across our country uh, believe in. We need to you know, step up today and, and make this happen. You know, we can't just put this off uh, until there's an opportunity that seems, um, you know, right for the taking. You know, we've got to get this passed at a time when there's a supermajority um, that's pro-Second Amendment in the House and the Senate. We've seen a lot of other states um, that were once pro-Second Amendment states, uh, their legislatures over time uh, became less friendly to Second Amendment issues. And today, you know, we've got Massachusetts, we've got California, we've got, uh, you know, Illinois, other states where, you know, the, the legislatures are absolutely controlled by anti-Second Amendment forces. And so we can't wait to a, a time, uh, you know, when 
you know, Kansas could be in a more difficult position to get this passed through the legislature. It's time to give Kansas voters an opportunity to vote on this and, and you know, let the legislature know uh, where they stand on this. Absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen out there, we're talking to Mariah Day. He's the executive director for the Kansas State Rifle Association, which is the NRA sister or NRA state affiliate for the NRA. So welcome back. Now, Mariah, I do have a question for you. Um, you know, yeah, a, a few years ago, and I think you'll probably recall this because you were around the legislature at the time as well. But uh, I'm sure you remember that, uh, you know, the shootouts that would happen at high noon in the streets like Dodge City. We were taking the state of Kansas back to the wild, wild west with constitutional carry and everything else. Those never really came to fruition. Do you I mean, they're, they're kind of saying the same stuff that we heard years ago. I mean, what's what's the difference? Yeah, Blake, it's, it's kind of, uh, it, I get a real laugh out of it because, um, you know, you and I have both been around this long enough to, to hear these same arguments, uh, you know, recycled time and again. And, you know, I, I have to give them credit for, uh, you know, their their policy of recycling. But, um, you know, when the same uh, tired old arguments keep coming back and are never validated, uh, you kind of start to wonder <laughs> where they're where they're getting their information from. Um, you know, like you said, uh, you know, a decade ago, we heard these uh, these claims that we were going to be the wild, wild west, you know, Dodge City, all that kind of thing. Um, you know, we, we heard it, you know, close to two decades ago uh, when, you know, there were first uh, conversations about passing uh, concealed carry in Kansas. Uh, this isn't, you know, a, a new argument. Uh, and the facts every single time have proven um, the Second Amendment uh, position true. Uh, that, you know, an armed society is a polite society and uh, that, you know, folks that are law-abiding, upstanding, responsible individuals, uh, you know, don't go out and, and just commit crimes. Um, you know, that's that's just the fact. You know, they don't uh, intend to harm others. They, you know, are some of the most, um, you know, firearm owners, responsible firearm owners are some of the most responsible uh, law-abiding uh, people, you know, in our state. Um, and, you know, the, the arguments today about about this constitutional amendment claiming that it would you know, open our state up to you know, all kinds of violence and everything, they're just completely unfounded. Um, the fact is this constitutional amendment would protect Kansans uh, by, you know, securing our freedoms uh, for future generations. Uh, it's an um, unfortunate fact um, that, you know, even with the clarity provided in the Bruin uh, case before the uh, U.S. Supreme Court not too long ago, uh, and previous cases before that, the outrageous attempts to chip away at the rights of law-abiding firearm owners have continued um, lots of places across the country. Um, you know, gun control advocates are still actively targeting many of the most common firearms used for self-defense. And, you know, they're not always using outright bans to do so. You know, they're trying to ban ammunition, accessories, you know, standard capacity magazines, claiming that they're high capacity, you know, things like that. Um, and it's just, it's completely outrageous. Uh, Sorry, I'll uh, get off my soapbox, but I could talk about that for a while. No, no, it's fantastic. And I think uh, a lot of our listeners out there are, are saying amen and preach, uh, you know, so uh, no worries at all. But, you know, unfortunately, I think we see time and time again that fear sells. And that's that's exactly what they're doing. They're they're fit. They're, they're selling fear wholesale. And, uh, and and unfortunately, people are buying it. So. Now, there are some in the legislature that are worried about the possibility of litigation if Kansas were to pass the strict scrutiny standard. What, do you, what are your thoughts on that? Well, you know, I would first of all say that, um, you know, there's, an all, there's always a possibility for litigation. Uh, we're a very litigious society uh, in general. 
there's always a possibility for litigation. Uh, we see that all the time. Um, I would also say that, you know, one of the purposes for um, this, this uh, constitutional amendment is to essentially create a, uh, a process uh, for individuals uh, whose rights are infringed, their Second Amendment, Second amendment rights are infringed. Uh, it creates a process for them to challenge those attacks uh, in state court, uh, which basically guarantees them clear recourse to correct the wrongs um, that our, uh, our government could impose. Um, and it allows them to correct those wrongs through our own state's legal system, um, rather than you know, only using uh, the federal uh, system uh, for that. Um, gives them essentially a, another uh, outlet for, for uh, correcting those wrongs. I think that's something that um, you know, a lot of Kansans could get behind um, to allow people who are wronged uh, to correct those wrongs uh, to secure their rights. So, you know, there's always a possibility for litigation. I think, um, you know, as a society, we believe in the importance of being able to protect our rights, um, our freedoms uh, through uh, litigation when necessary. Um, it's a very important part of our uh, political process, our legal process. And uh, so, you know, I'd say that, you know, securing that that right, um, giving people an opportunity to protect their rights uh, and to protect the rights of others is, is a good thing, whether it uh, results in a couple extra uh, court cases or not. Absolutely. So, you know, so, ladies and gentlemen out there, we're talking to Mariah Day, the executive director of the Kansas State Rifle Association. And so I, I guess... What is the probability that this will pass? I mean, we, we've actually, for the listeners out there, we've actually seen this type of amendment with strict scrutiny language in it pass in four other states already. So could we become the fifth? What's the chances of this passing the legislature and ultimately making it onto the ballot this year, Mariah? Yeah, that's that's a great question. And, and Blake, I um, a long time ago, uh, I don't think I was even uh, working full-time uh, in legislative circles. I think you know, it was back uh, probably before I even interned in the legislature years ago. Um, I gave up on predicting probabilities of legislation passing. <laughs> it's a it's a losing game uh, to to try to predict uh, those probabilities. However, um, you know, we have a a pro Second Amendment supermajority in both the House and the Senate. Um, and if uh, those legislators uh, choose to vote uh, the way that they ran uh, and the way that they have committed to doing. Um, you know, I don't have any any concern that way. Um, it you know really comes down to uh, Kansans making their voice heard uh, in the legislative process and encouraging their legislators to take action on this. If they do, um, you know, if they show the kind of grassroots activism we've seen uh, from Second Amendment advocates um, for generations in Kansas, uh, then you know we'll get this passed. Um, it's going to take some hard work um, and. It's obviously a very challenging year to do that with an election uh, right around the corner. Um, but the encouraging thing is, at the moment this gets past the legislature, um, whenever that happens, I am absolutely confident uh, Kansans will pass it on the ballot. Um, and I think it's going to actually help um, a number of other folks on that ballot um, with their elections because, you know, we're encouraging uh, the right people to go to the polls and and protect their rights. So I am uh, I am very confident that Kansans will support this in huge numbers. Um, and you know we just got to get to that point. Uh, but it's going to take people you know getting involved, um, getting out there and, and talking to their legislators and encouraging them to do so. So you mentioned the ballot several times and people's ability to vote on this issue. Uh, if the legislature passes it, when when would that vote take place? 
Yeah, so uh, the the idea would be for that to, to be on the November ballot. Um, so uh, that's, you know, obviously uh, the legislature has the ability to, you know, <laughs> set what ballot uh, that, you know, happens to be on. Um, but, you know, that's, that's the idea. Uh, we are pushing really hard to get this passed so that voters can vote on it this fall. That's fantastic. And, and I mean, honestly, it's, it's what better time than to put it on a presidential election ballot? I mean, more people than normal are going to turn out for that kind of an election. And uh, so I think we'll have more voter participation and uh, more people who get to have their voices heard on, on whether or not they would like to enhance our current Second Amendment rights as they stand here in the state of Kansas. So, uh, Mariah, with that, um, the segment's coming to an end, but can you just tell us a little bit about your organization? Just, uh, you know, what's the website and where can they go to find more information? Sure. I appreciate that, Blake. Yeah, the Kansas State Rifle Association, like you already mentioned, Blake, is uh, the state affiliate for the NRA. Uh, So we um, are essentially, you know, we focus on state uh, issues uh, related to the Second Amendment. Uh, We are, you know, affiliated with the NRA, but we have our own board of directors. Uh, we are not beholden to any uh, national Second Amendment group. Uh, we, you know, have our own governing body and, uh, you know, work uh, on a lot of different things. You know, obviously, as we're talking now, we deal with a lot of legislative stuff, but we also deal with uh, political stuff, you know, campaign cycle. We deal with uh, encouraging uh, firearm training, uh, responsible firearm ownership. We deal with a lot of that stuff. People can learn all about us on our website, kansasrifle.org. KansasRifle.org, and they can also find us on pretty much any social media at KansasRifle. So uh, we encourage people to check that out and and see the work we've been doing. We've been around since 1928, so I don't think we're going anywhere. Fantastic. Thank you, Mariah, for joining us this evening. Always a pleasure, my friend. Thanks, Blake. Really appreciate it. Have a good one. Thank you. You too. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. And looks like we have a caller. David, welcome to the show. Hi, how are you doing? Doing great, sir. How are you this evening? Oh, I'm I'm doing fine. Uh uh I was a job just listening to your show and uh and and I uh and I noted noticed you said how important you think it is to protect freedom and democracy both in uh Taiwan and around the world. And and and, uh, and and I was wondering why why that never seems to uh, uh, include uh, Ukraine. Ukraine is uh, is, uh, is is Ukraine not part of the world or? 
Well, um, no, thank you for the question. I appreciate that. Um, no, they are an important part of the world as well. And obviously there's been a, a conflict going on there for quite some time between Ukraine and Russia. Um, I think as we look at the geopolitical uh, situation that's currently going on over there, we, you know, we obviously have NATO. Ukraine's not a part of NATO, but, uh, you know, NATO is a very important part of what is going on right now in Europe, especially to stop additional Russia uh, aggression. Um, you know, in 2014, Russia annexed the Crimea uh, and the Donbass region of Ukraine, and uh, they basically went unchallenged. And so I think what Russia thought that they could do is just march right in and do the exact same thing uh, with Ukraine. And, and one of the biggest factors with Ukraine is that um, they are basically they're, – they're very similar to Kansas in the sense that they're the breadbasket of Europe. Uh, so they have a lot of wheat exports. They have a lot of uh, commodities that um, are, are very important to the food supply. And so obviously I think that that would be a good reason to strategically take them over in Russia's uh, playbook. However, um, it has not gone according to plan, uh, you know – there's a, I'm, I'm forgetting the operation name, but there's an operation out there uh, where the United States, after the Crimea incident, uh, went in and started trying to help train their troops so that if any future aggressions took place, that uh, we would be there to, well, we, we helped train their soldiers so that they could help fight back if Russia decided to do it again, and they did. And so the great thing about it is, is that we have been participating in that. Um, however, we don't have a blank check. That's the problem. We don't have a blank check that we can just right and and dump a ton of money into ukraine so we have to be uh you know call upon our allies i think and we have to have it to where the people of europe who are closest to this situation should also be paying their fair share right now we're 34 trillion dollars in debt and so if if the whole burden of this conflict is placed on the united states that is not something that we will be able to sustain for a long-term period well yeah 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 yeah. but they are paying their share they just if you just read the news they just uh Okay, fifty billion dollars uh, or fifty billion euros euros in support uh, for Ukraine, and uh, uh, you, you know, and, and basically our House Republicans they think we should completely uh, uh, completely sh- sh- shut off military f- uh, funding to Ukraine. You, you know, so uh, you, you, so you know, and you know, and uh, and you talk and you talk about a blank check, but you know, but 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 war is. It's not is is not is not predictable, and and it's a matter of will. You know, if you know if you tell your opponent, you know, uh, hey hey hey, we're go we're we're going to do this much, and and if and we're spend this much, and 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 if it doesn't and if it doesn't uh, work, we're just going to surrender. Well, you know, well, I mean, you know, that then then you're just telling your opponent, okay, okay, just wait, just just wait until that time, and and then we'll give up. And also also it tells your opponent you're stupid to be to be fighting in the first place. I mean, it seems were we stupid to be fighting in the first place? Is that right? Or you know, were were we just baiting Ukraine to 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 get involved? You know, you know. Well, here, uh, David, look, real when, quick, when, let me just say this real quick. So, the United States is. Not spent, you know, we, we've spent more than $50 billion. We've spent $113.4 billion on this conflict already. So thankfully, they're they're at least, you know, spending, what, 50 billion euros? So at least they're starting to contribute a little bit here. But, I mean, they also have the ability to contribute weapons and armor and everything else. Um, and I would say that not all those countries are participating as much as they should. So I but think that additionally, well, hold on, hold on. No, true. I let you talk. It's my turn. So here's the thing. Um, if we look at this, I've been listening to military leaders. I've been listening to, to the folks that you know are, are on the ground. They're trying to help these individuals as much as they can, right? 
Well, here's the thing. We have a republic, right? So we have to be governed by what the people want within the United States. So the majority of those individuals then elect our representatives to Congress. Okay. So as conflicts continue to progress and go on for a long period of time, republics, democracies, they do not have the ability to maintain a long-term effort because of the public opinion on those war efforts. Whereas if we look at communist China, if we look at Russia, if we look at these places, they are run by dictators, and it doesn't matter what the public wants or doesn't want. They can say, well, it's my will, and I'm going to spend as much money as I want and as many human lives as I want in order to achieve my objectives. So the playbooks are different between the types of countries that are at play here because we have a republic that is answerable to the constituents that they represent. So so, so then you're saying the, the, these countries that aren't democratic have an inherent advantage in war? Uh, you know, over us, and and again, if, I mean, if that's the way, I mean, if, if that's the way you think, well, you know, you know, we ought to just we ought to just give up now. So, you know, say, hey, you know, these countries are better at war than we are. Well, well I don't agree with that. They... I definitely don't agree with that. But David, thank you so much for your call. We do have other callers. Um, I appreciate your time, and thank you for your call. All right, looks like we have Rod on the line. How are you doing this evening, sir? Oh, I'm blessed, Blake. Fantastic. What do you want to talk hey, about? Yeah. I wanted to talk about uh, – I heard the show that uh, runs between Mark Levin and Coast to Coast AM on your station, the Armstrong and Getty show. They were reading either a letter or a text of a speech that Senator Mike Lee of Utah gave in which he just exposes from a strict constitutional point of view uh what he calls the firm did you happen to hear that uh, unfortunately no i i must have missed that one i apologize well the firm you know the uh progressives have the squad he calls the firm uh the senate leadership uh mitch mcconnell and uh schumer and which you know they they come up with these bills. I don't know who wrote them, maybe lobbyists, maybe their staffs, but a thousand-page bill, and they give the senators an hour or a day to vote on it when it, uh, Mike Lee said it should be debated for weeks, if not months. That's the system. And they conglomerate all these things together, aid for Ukraine, aid for Israel, uh, the border, why can't they have separate bills? Why do we have to have continuing resolutions, kick the can down the road in infinitum? Why do we have to have uh, omnibus? Why can't they vote on these things separately and give the people time to chime in? Unfortunately, I think what, what you're referring to is the sausage-making process. And, and you know what? That is absolutely contributing to the reason why Washington, D.C. is broken. And I think... Not only Republicans, but Democrats. Everybody in America sees how broken the system is yeah. in Washington, D.C., and you are alluding to every aspect of it. When the speaker, Nancy Pelosi, goes, oh, you know, I got a several thousand page bill here. You can vote on it. Read it after you pass it. That is unacceptable. <laughs> we should we should not be expecting that type of mentality or practice from the people who are supposed to be governing us with responsible actions. Right. I, I think right. that we should ask that from everybody but you know what you're gonna get me on a soapbox here i there is there's one thing that i, I i've talked to other you know state lawmakers about at various conventions and that type of thing 
And if you look at what has happened since the passage of the 17th Amendment, so the 17th Amendment is the direct election of U.S. senators. But yeah, was a, and, and before that, the, the founding fathers put that the state legislatures were the ones that picked the U.S. senators. And right. you know what? They actually were accountable to the states. They actually re- responded to us. Right. They, they, they actually did things that were beneficial to the people, to the states, and to the because the, the legislatures are closer, the closest, closer to the people in Washington, D.C. But in yeah. that time, 100 plus years, 105, 110 years, whenever they passed it, that you can see an exponential growth in the federal government and the amount of regulations and laws that are passed and leaving the states out of the equation. But you know what? Ronald Reagan in his 1981 State of the uh, – actually his um, address when he was inaugurated, uh, he said that the states created the federal government. The federal government right. did not create the states, and that is not – that is truer today as it is and was then. Well, Senator Lee encouraged everyone to share what he's uh, – his letter or his speech, and if you don't – if you get a chance, listen to that show. It was on last night or Friday, Armstrong and Getty. I forget. I think they ran a rerun last night of it. Everyone needs to hear what he has to say because it's just a swamp. It's the deep state, and, and we're going to put a stop to it. I'm a gun-toting, Bible-thumping, anti-Marxist, mega-maga Trump supporter, and I want everyone to know that he is going to drain the swamp. All right. Thank you so much, Rod. Really appreciate you. God bless you, sir. All right. Now, with that, we are going to take a call from John. Thank you, John, for calling in. Hey, Blake. Thanks for taking my call. Absolutely. What do you want to talk about? So I had a quick question. I just – I was curious as to – been reading the papers and everything and got a big tax bill this year. Uh, obviously, the governor vetoed it, wanted to see what the uh, legislature was going to do about it and uh, maybe maybe what was happening there. Absolutely. Well, I think that the plan – actually, no, I don't think the plan. I know the plan is to take up the veto override this week, actually, in the House. And so after a veto is issued by the governor of the state of Kansas, there's a 30-day period in which we have the ability to override. So we didn't take it up last week, and so we're probably at about day 10 right now since the override took place. So we're going we're gonna to vote to override. I am confident that we have the votes to override in the House, and then at that point it goes to the Senate. The Senate was one vote shy when it went to the governor for uh, her veto, and so what we'll have to do is see if, uh, if they can find uh, one senator who's willing to uh, change their mind and hopefully vote to give uh, the taxpayers of Kansas some tax relief. Now, with that, thank you for the prompt. I'm going to go ahead and take some liberty here and talk about some of the aspects of that bill. And maybe John and some of his other guest hosts have already talked about it a little bit, but I'm just going to hit some high-level items for it. So it's going to change the tax exemption on home values from $40,000 to $100,000. So if your home is under $100,000, it is tax-exempt. Now, if it's $110,000, then it's gonna then you're going to pay taxes on that $10,000 and so on and so forth all the way up. Additionally, we are going to make some tax adjust- adjustments to the banking industry, bank and trust uh, adjustments, lowering their rate from 2.25% in 2024 and then also further to 1.63% in 2025. Additionally, with this tax plan, everybody's going to get tax relief as well. It's going to make it to where it has a dual rate of 0% and 5.25%. And um, 
you'll be able to enjoy tax-free income if you earn $5,000 or less, or as a couple, um, $2,500 or less as an individual in 2024. There's a whole bunch of other, uh, so, I mean, it covers the gamut. It covers income taxes, sales taxes, um, and property taxes. So it covers, this tax package is everything. So um, for those out there, it, it also drops off Social Security income tax. I mean, so we... We're one of, I think, 12 states that currently tax Social Security. So it completely eliminates that. So there's a lot to be excited about in this tax package. Um, I know that I'm, I'm, I'm excited to vote for it. I look forward to voting to override uh, this week along with many of my other colleagues. So very, very uh, looking really forward to it. Thank you, John, for, for the question and uh, the call. All right. So, Nick, you're on the John Whitmer Show. <laughs> Hello, Representative. I, I'm so proud of you. You did an excellent job this evening. I enjoyed listening to you. Thank you. Thank you. Maybe I can uh, maybe change the name of the show and make it mine, right? Well, I don't know about all that. I, oh, I okay. All right. John Whitmer for, for, <laughs> like you said, states' rights, the creator has to remember, or the created has to remember the creator, right? Exactly. <laughs> well, amen. So on that vein, you know, we talked about the um, – firearms deal and unlawful and and people who might choose to use certain substances over other substances such as cannabis which was mentioned earlier i do support that resolution as well um, as i believe it could be enhanced by um go ahead and taking cannabis off the controlled substances act but you, you know that that is one thing that is kind of integral to our self-reliance um, as well as uh, I, I think it's a good support of law enforcement. They can concentrate on other things that are more violent and, you know, the synthetic routes, faith, or, you know, the synthetic pills, the fentanyl coming over the border and everything, along with military-aged men that um, have no business uh, being over here. But we're worried about um, things like expedited partner therapy and uh, um, weird things like that. So those are some thoughts that I had. I've, I've enjoyed your show that you've done this evening, and I appreciate the Kansas legislature very much. So God bless you all, and uh, just thank you for, for being part. So Yeah, absolutely. Care. Thank you for the call, Nick. Really appreciate it. Okay, and on the line we have Stephen. Well, hello. Um, I wanted to ask you uh, what can be done to help support Kansas in joining the Convention of States? Ah, absolutely. So this is something that I've actually worked on uh, for for many years um, as well, and so I appreciate the question. So right now in the state of Kansas, the Kansas Constitution, there was a constitutional amendment that was added in the 1970s that required a supermajority of legislators to support and pass a call for a convention um, here in the state of Kansas. And and since it sounds you, – you're probably familiar with this – um, but for those yeah. of you out there that aren't, um, it it's, exists within the Constitution. Now, there's actually, over the past, I mean, decade, really, whenever we've tried to pass a resolution to call Congress to you know balance the budget or term limits, um, we've always fallen short. We've never been able to reach that two-thirds threshold, um, which is 84 votes in the House and 27 votes in the Senate in order to, to make that call. Now, um, there's actually been an update, or at least recently, about a month ago now, 
there was a lawsuit that was actually announced where a representative and a senator um, filed a lawsuit against the speaker and the president. Now, they are in support of the, the, the Convention of States. They just had to file the lawsuit against those individuals because they're the presiding officers of the two chambers. But um, what the, the question at play here now is um, that they're seeking to have the judiciary, ju federal judiciary rule on what supersedes in this instance. Does the power that is derived under Article 5 of the United States Constitution that gives legislators the power to call a convention, can that be – can that be uh, – let's see. Can that be capped or can that be uh, – can a, a threshold or a requirement be placed upon that power if it's derived out of the U.S. Constitution? So that's the constitutional question at play. Can the, U can the Kansas Constitution put a limit on the – power of the U.S. Constitution powers that are being derived from it. So that once we, I think, have a have that answered by the judiciary on the federal side is when we will um, have the opportunity to maybe look at this. Maybe they, they come back and say, no, the Kansas Constitution can't place that threshold there. And if that's the case, then that means that moving forward, we'd be able to pass it with a simple majority of 63 and 21 instead of the 84 and 27. So that's kind of where the uh, Convention of States is at this current point in time. But, no, I do appreciate the question. Well, I encourage everyone to uh, join because they're looking for volunteers to get involved as well and hold our uh, legislature to the fire. You know? Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you so much for your call. We really appreciate it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, with that, this concludes another episode of The John Whitmer Show. This is Blake Carpenter filling in for John as the guest host this evening. And in the meantime, have a great week and carry on, my fellow deplorables. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app.